0: Welcome to the Accredited Canadians Toolkit, your source for what's new for accredited investors. I'm your host, Sam Perrin. Yesterday, I talked about the insurance crisis in Canada and how it's tied to the bond market. Today, I'll be answering a question from Dean. Dean has a second home located on a ski hill that he also rents out on a short-term basis as a vacation rental. Dean called me to ask about a request he had for a family to live in his vacation rental while they were building a house nearby. This looked like a good arrangement because he could rent out his property during the summer when it would usually sit empty, and the family could live in their desired neighborhood while waiting for their house to be built. Dean was concerned that the family could see delays in completion of their new house because this often happens when building, and the family would want to stay in his vacation rental and not move out in December as they are promising to do now. Dean would miss out on the Christmas season rentals that represent a large percentage of the income for the property and he'd miss out on his family's tradition of staying at the property during their vacation. Dean is right to be concerned. The B.C. landlord and tenant laws were changed in recent years to prohibit fixed-term rental agreements and eliminated must-vacate clauses. This effectively gives the tenant control of the property until they decide they want to move out. The only exception is if a landlord or a close family member wants to move in a landlord must give two months notice to move in, and even this can get gummed up by delays by many more months if the tenant makes application with the Residential Tenancy Board to stay. If a landlord does move into their rental unit, they or their family member must stay there for six months or face stiff fines for an illegal eviction. If a property owner decides they don't like laws that dictate what they are allowed to do or not do with their own property, and try and get sneaky to get around it, this can be very expensive if a displaced tenant finds proof that you or your family members are not intending to move in, for instance, finding the property listed for rent on Airbnb. In one decision from September 2020 that I reviewed, there was an $18,000 windfall for a tenant who was displaced when the landlord's mother didn't move into the unit as intended, as shown by her visiting visa that was for only one month. However, as Dean correctly pointed out, the Residential Tenancy Act in BC doesn't apply to a vacation or travel accommodation, and that means a stay that is less than 30 days. I haven't been able to find any BC court rulings or RTB arbitration decisions that discuss the issue of a vacation rental guest turning into a tenant and having the act apply in that case but I did find a six-year-old blog post from a local law firm that suggests that the length of stay could be irrelevant, but that the predominant purpose to run a short-term rental would be the factor that decides if a person occupying the property was in fact a guest or a tenant who has rights under the BC Residential Tenancy Act. Factors that decide this question could include what type of services are offered during the stay, like room service, and other services like if cleaning is included, if the innkeeper can enter the unit at will, if there is cooking permitted in the suite, or if the stay was intended to be somewhat permanent by the occupier moving in any furniture, decorating by hanging pictures or photos, or anything else that could construe the rental term to be somewhat permanent. Some people view the lack of clarity between a person being a tenant under the Residential Tenancy Act or a guest under the Innkeepers Act as a loophole that bad actors are exploiting to flout the rules. There are affordable housing activists who are pushing for vacation rentals to be shut down and added to long-term housing supply. There's a hashtag trending on Twitter called Occupy Airbnb, and organizers are encouraging people to move in and assert squatters' rights. I'll read some of the comments so you can get a flavor of the attitude of these people, but I've changed some of the names for privacy. One poster wrote, Hey Vancouver, Please boycott John Smith, a social parasite contributing to the housing crisis by running an illegal Airbnb hotel. And another poster Airbnb are social parasites. Despite all efforts by me and several others, the city of Vancouver has done nothing against them. It's time to engage in civil obedience and flex our legal rights and occupy Airbnb. I urge everyone to do the following 1. Book an Airbnb unit for a single night. 2 move in and assert your rights as a residential tenant by demanding a residential tenancy agreement and dictate the terms of the agreement. Three, if they refuse, take them to the residential tenancy branch. Four, if the hosts harass you or try to forcefully throw you out, call the police. Someone commented on this and said, wouldn't this be dangerous? What if they called gangsters to kick you out? And then the original poster responded to this, did Canadians run away from Vimy Ridge? I know people post a lot of silly things online. It's one of the pitfalls of self-publishing being available to the masses. But the anger by people concerned about the high cost of housing is real, and it is misplaced. I did a review of decisions on the BC Residential Tenancy Branch website for Airbnb, and of the first 30 disputes I read, only two had owners kicking out long-term tenants to rent to someone else or to use as an Airbnb. Most other decisions were actually landlords who were seeking to end the tenancy of someone who pretended to be a long-term tenant, but instead started renting an Airbnb business out of the property. And this caused all sorts of problems, damage to the property, or fines because they were violating local bylaws. So people are correct to feel disenfranchised, but taking away property rights from landlords will not work and will only make the problem worse as owners will be unwilling to take the risk of renting out their property at all. The only exception might be landlords who are willing to engage with people who incite violence, like the Occupy Airbnb Twitter account that I quoted above. This will further exasperate the problem of affordable housing. New supply of housing is the real solution, and that is frustrated by government regulations. The true common enemy of Canadians is policymakers and central banks who steal productivity from everyday people by printing so much money. I've had short-term rentals before, both in a separate house, a short drive away, and in the basement suite of my former primary residence. For the most part, guests are great. Most guests were respectful and clean, with the odd exception. I stopped doing it because it is running a business, and it requires a lot of work. For the separate house, I found myself making a lot of trips to deal with check-ins, check-outs, cleaning, laundry for the bedding, which are all part of the regular duties. Like any business, doing these activities at scale can be profitable, but it requires expertise, systems to run efficiently, and that work can be hired out. Hiring out the work without spreading the cost of the help over a large portfolio decreases the net income to the point that this strategy doesn't earn much more money than a long-term tenancy would. Vacation rentals are not free money, and there are problems that need to be solved on a regular basis, like the one that Dean shared today. If I was Dean, I would factor in the cost of having the family stay in the home permanently and offer a tenancy agreement with that rent that reflects that reality. Let's imagine that Dean would earn $30,000 for the month of December and January as a vacation rental during that season at a rate of $500 per night, and that he would earn $18,000 for the remaining 10 months of the year at $60 per night. That is a $48,000 per year annual income, and it equals $4,000 per month. Dean could offer the family a one-year lease with a rent of $4,000 per month. If the family moves out in time for Dean to use the place for his family vacation or to rent the place out for his vacation rental business, he could offer them a refund for some of the money they paid and release them from the contractual obligation for the rest of the tenancy agreement. This arrangement would align the family's financial incentive with Dean's circumstances. If the family decides not to take the deal, that's up to them. But Dean is not taking on a risk without appropriate compensation for that risk. Thanks, Dean, for a great question. If you have a question of broad interest you'd like answered on the ACT podcast, please email question at actpodcast.website. That's question at actpodcast.website. Have a great rest of your day. Talk to you again tomorrow.